Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class uh, today is dedicated in loving memory of Carol Goldman Lipsy, Lilu Nishmat, Chitil Shira Bat Simcha, sponsored by her daughter, Susan Portes. As well, Breakfast in the Class is sponsored by Joey Jerome in honor of the Rabbanim, the Chazanim, and the Gabaim. And uh, the week of Cobra is dedicated in loving memory of Sammy Said, Lilu Nishmat Shlubobin Rivka, sponsored by his son Isaac Said. I'd like to also dedicate today's class, Lilui Nishmat, Nisim Ben Sophie Shafia, Ruach Alantinichinu Began Aiden, and as well, Lavdil Elf Alfe Havdalot, to uh, celebrate the marriage last night of, uh, of people that used to come uh, to our synagogue, of uh, Orian and Shira Batsheva Farha uh, uh, Barzilai. Mazal tov and congratulations. Okay. Moshe Rabbeinu sends the spies into Eretz Israel begrudgingly. It's not what God wants to do. Ostensibly, it's not what Moshe wants to do. Um, but in the end, the people, they're pushing hard for it. This is what they want. So Moshe Rabbeinu gathers the spies together and he tells them, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go in and I want you to check out the land but he gives them a very specific set of instructions. Seemingly, Moshe Rabbeinu already understood that there was going to be some sort of devastating fallout from the Miragalim. How do we know that Moshe Rabbeinu knew this before they even left? Because it says, he names, he changes the name of Hoshea to Yehoshua. Why does he change Yehoshua's name, Hoshea's name to Yehoshua? Ya. He adds the Yud, so with the He in the front of his name, he'll have in his name the name of God. May God save you from the uh, intentions of the Miragilim. That means that before they left, Moshe understood that Hoshea was in need of protection. This is his student. He gives him this Beracha. He changes his name. So Moshe Rabbeinu is preparing the spies in a mission he knows maybe is not going to be so good. And therefore he focuses them. And he sits down with them and he says, guys, listen up, huddle in. What, what does he say in the huddle? You're going into the land of Israel, he says. I want you to pay attention to a few things. I want you to pay attention Right? Are they living in, uh, uh, in, in the fields or are they living in fortified cities? Right? You know, look at the fruit. Is there trees in the land or are there no trees? Right? He gives them specific missions to look for. Why did he do that? You know, when you send somebody, you ask somebody, how'd you like the restaurant? They're like, eh. They don't give you very much detail. You say, how are the appetizers? Now they already have a commentary. You know, how is the steak? How is the service? Right? You get a lot more when you ask someone specific questions. So he wants them focused on the questions that he wants actual intel, actual info on. And now rabbis say, what was this question? What was the question that he really was asking them? Says Rashi quotes the Gemara, Yesh ba'etzim ayin means, is there someone over there who was a ashli ravrevi, who was a tree of many branches, 
someone who has a zechut, big sadiq, who has a zechut to protect the city or the country. Because if they have a sadiq living there, it's going to be very difficult to conquer them. You got it? That's what he wants to know. Yesh ba'etz im ayin. Now, this idea is not really born in this moment. We find it already before. Where do we find this concept? Sedom, excellent. Where Abraham says, is there 50 sadikim in the five cities? 40, 30, da, 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 da. Is there a minyan? Is there a minyan of sadikim? So you see the concept that already back from then, they were illustrating days that, uh, they were illustrating, excuse me, uh, uh, people, that those people could protect the whole city. Where else do we find this idea? Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is not afraid of any enemy, except for one. Which enemy is Moshe Rabbeinu afraid of? Og Melech Habashan. Why is he afraid of Og? The Gemara tells us, because Og went out of his way to go tell Avraham Avinu that, uh, that Lot had been captured. So because he did a favor for Avraham and for Sarah, he told them about the fact that Lot had been captured, even if, by the way, his intention was bad. Why actually did Og want to tell Avraham about this fact that Lot had been captured? He wanted Avraham to go to war. Avraham would be killed. Sarah would be on J-Swipe again. Then Og would have his chance. Right? It's a dating app. Okay. Baruch Hashem. Right? <laughs> we'll tell your wife she has nothing to be worried about. You didn't even know what James wife was. Forget it. You're, you're golden. <laughs> He's a keeper. <laughs> the internet had not been invented when he met his wife. When I met my wife, the internet had not been invented. Okay. Rabutai, listen to this because I think this is very powerful. One zechut from Og Melech Abashan from thousands of years before was enough for Moshe Rabbeinu to be worried that he would be unable to defeat him in war. Because that zechut might stand in his good stead. Someone said before Esav. Who said Esav? Esav. Yaakov is worried. Why? Because Esav has the mitzvah of Kibud Avaim. The guy's the worst, you know, rasha ever. He murders, he steals, he rapes, he does everything, the guy. There's not a single avon in the Torah that he doesn't do. I think the guy got mixed up. He thought that the 248 were Averot and the 365 were Mitzvot, Ada. Right? He did every Avon he thought was a Mitzvah he did. Okay? And he did one Mitzvah and Yaakov is worried. How am I going to fight against him? He had one Zechut. The great Tzadikim understood that when they went to war, what they needed to worry about was not their military prowess, was not their strength. It was whether or not they had the merits in heaven for the war to turn their way. Clear? Hayesh ba'etz im'ayin. The Gemara says in Sanhedrin, the Gemara says that in every single generation, there are 36 sadikim that in their merit, the generation is protected. Just like this concept of the protection of a great sadiq or a great sadiq in an area protects the area, there are 36 sadikim in every generation that are hidden, that protect the whole generation. Once someone asked of Shlomo Zalman Orbach, they said, is there anyone in our generation that you know is one of the 36 hidden tzaddikim? You know, what if he 
I'm thinking exactly like Sammy. This is one of those dumb questions. You know, the people ask. It's like the guy goes on safari in the middle of the savannah, whatever, and he asks the guy, what time do the lions get here? You know, yeah, and he, what do you, it's not, it's not a show. They come when they want to come. <laughs> right? You have people ask you, Rabbi, exactly, you know, it says here that if you're in pain, you don't have to, exactly how much pain do I have to be in so I'm patu from fasting? What I answer the guy? I said 11. <laughs> They're quite, what are you going to do? How am I going to answer that question? Uh, you know, there's, there's, sometimes there's not, an, there's not a correct answer to a question. So the guy answered Shlomo Zalman the question. I'm sure everyone around of Shlomo Zalman was thinking like me and Sammy. <laughs> Dib. <laughs> right? That's what you're thinking. Shlomo Zalman immediately said, absolutely, Rav Shach. They said, Rav Shach, he's like the Gadol Hador. Everybody knows who he is. There's big pictures of him standing in front of the golden Aaron in, the, in Panovich, you know, giving Shi'ur, giving Musar. He's a hidden Sadiq? He says, absolutely. He says, you think a hidden Sadiq means that nobody knows who he is? He says, however much you think you know about the greatness of Rav Shach, he is hiding far more. He is one of the 36 hidden tzaddikim of our generation. Big chidush. Now that means that even a righteous person could be a hidden tzaddik. But the, aim, the name of the game is not to be someone who's a hidden tzaddik. The point I'm trying to derive here is a fascinating concept. That oftentimes what we don't realize is, aside from the good that we do for ourselves, and the good that we do for, uh, what's it called? For those around us, and aside from the olam abad that we're going to receive, the mitzvot and the, the zichuyot that we, uh, that we amass become unbelievable um, guards and shields for those around us as well. And sometimes it pays dividends in incredible ways because the zichut is actually what gets, uh, what gets the cookie, yani. There's a famous story in the Gemara of Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer was once bitten. They told him that there's a, a snake, a very poisonous snake in the city that people were getting bitten by when they went down to the river or they went near the river. And if they, if they were able to get to the water very quickly, even before the snake, then they, would be, then they would survive. But if the snake got to the water first, then the person would die. Again, I don't know exactly the details of what this story means. I'm sure it has a higher meaning and a deeper meaning as well. Anyway, where did Rabbi Eliezer go? Rabbi Eliezer, what did he do? He went down directly to the area where the snake was. He sticks his foot out, dangling it. Maybe he takes his, uh, his socks and shoes off. I don't know. Maybe he puts barbecue sauce. I don't know. He sits there like this until eventually the snake comes out, bites him. The snake goes rushing off to the river. And immediately from underneath the earth, the water started producing. There was moisture that started coming up from the earth. Sometimes you see it when the water, when the ground is saturated, like water's like oozing from the earth. Water's oozing from the earth, Rabbi Eliezer steps in it, and the snake dies. And the, the what's it called? And the bite heals. They asked him, what, did you, what are you doing? How'd you do this? Rabbi Eliezer says something very, very interesting. And this is the point of this strange story. He says, Lo hanachash memit. It is not the snake that kills. Ela ha'avon memit. It is the sin that kills. Rabbi Eliezer was confident in his level of greatness that he knew that a snake couldn't kill him. So he went there and he took care of the problem for everybody else. 
My friends, this concept that when we think of a doing a project, we think of going to war, it's not limited to war. When you're thinking of doing a project, you're starting a business. Think to yourself before you do the business deal, what zechut, in what zechut is this business deal going to go through? What can I do to ensure that this will happen? person wants to go, they want in the middle of starting a relationship. It looks like it might be something serious. It's a smart thing to do, to take on a zechut, a mitzvah, and accept on yourself a kabbalah, that in the merit of this thing, the relationship that I want to be fruitful, the house that I want to be able to buy or close on, the, uh, what's it called, the child I'm trying to have, this issue with my children that I'm trying to fix, I'm going to do this zechut in the merit and those merits, sometimes, Rabotai, they can last a very, very, very long time. And they can accomplish a tremendous thing. To the point that Moshe Rabbeinu is worried about Og Zechut a thousand years later. 500 years later. Okay? That Yaakov is worried about Esav's Kibud Avaim, even though he has a million uh, Averot to counteract it. He's still worried about the power of that Zechut. Rabotai... So to ask ourselves, when we want something to go well, what zechut am I planting? Think about this concept, planting zechuyot. Now, when we look back at the Gemara, especially through the eyes of Shlomo Zalman, it makes us ask a question. Why do you need 36 hidden tzaddikim in order to support the generation. Why can't you have, and the Gemara and Sanhedrin says that in every generation there are 36 hidden tzaddikim. Why do they need to be hidden? Even according to Shlomo Zalman, that they're evident. It's not the evident actions which are the ones that bring that merit, because otherwise the Gemara wouldn't say the word hidden. Right? Why is it specifically the hidden mitzvot, the hidden tzidkaniyut, the hidden righteousness that brings merit. So there's a lot of ways to look at this. And I'll give you maybe one approach. A mitzvah that's done out in the open, it has a kitrug on it. A person could say, in Shamaim, the heavenly court could argue that that mitzvah was done for arrogance, for notoriety, for kavod, but a mitzvah that you do, that no one knows about, the only reason why you would have done that mitzvah is to do the right thing. So a mitzvah that has no ulterior motive, other than to do the mitzvah itself, that mitzvah is pure. And it's the purest of mitzvot that bring the strongest of zikhuyot. How do I know this to be true? How do I know this to be true? Well, let's take a look for a minute. Both Og and Avraham, did they tell anyone else that they were doing Kibura Vaim in the back room? Probably Esav didn't let anybody know that he honored his righteous father. That would have terribly hurt his street head, his street cred with the Crips, right? You know what I mean? This is the guy, the worst guy ever. Probably he's not telling everyone wearing a star like, I am a mitzvah man, right? Nobody, I'm sure he didn't tell anybody. Og Melech Abashan, with his ulterior motive, also didn't tell anyone. Okay? But yet, the fact that mitzvah was not done publicly, even if the motivation was maybe a little bit suspect, right? Even if the motivation, still, 
It's samui min ha'ayin. Now, let me just illustrate what I mean with this terminology, hidden from the eye. One reason why a hidden mitzvah is better is because of the purity of intentions. But here we know, we specifically know his intention was not pure. That means that even when a mitzvah is being done with an ulterior motive, there's still an advantage. So your first train of thought would be, oh, if you're doing it hidden, you're not doing it for, for the honor, for the kavod. You know, you're not doing it for the arrogance. But yet, we're finding that even these mitzvot, why was uh, Esav, Esav honoring his father? Anyone know? How do you know that Esav was honoring his father for the beracha? This is fascinating. Maybe Esav was really a good guy. Just misunderstood. And look, you see, there's one mitzvah he does to perfection. Our rabbis tell us to learn how to do kibbut avayim from Esav. How do we know that Esav did not really love and respect his father? Maybe he did. Maybe he did one mitzvah perfect. Ganeden. You know what the answer is? When he lost the beracha and Yaakov takes it from him, what are the first words out of Esav's mouth in the Torah? Yikrevu yemeh evel avi. Let my father die soon so I can kill my brother. How much love and respect do you think he has for his father now? The minute he lost the beracha, that's his response. I must say, Rabbi that means that a misvah that's done privately, even maybe with bad intentions, is still, is still it, it lasts. It brings tremendous merit. You see clearly. So why would it bring clear, why would, it, why would, it, why would that be the case? Our Gemara tells us, "En bracha Blessing does not rest upon anything that is not hidden from the eye. So, in other words, if everybody knows how much money you make, it's harder for beracha to come your way. That's why they tell people, "Don't not to show off every," because people can extrapolate how much money you have if you're buying this and you're buying that. But something which is out in the open doesn't have beracha. Something which is hidden has beracha. That's why we say that uh, something, Am uh, Yisrael is because the nature of fish is that they're not seen by the eye. So when we give a beracha to the children, we say we reference the fish because a fish is, ant, is a sign, an anti-agent uh, for Ainara. The same thing is true for mitzvot. Rabotai, so it's important that while we do mitzvot all the time, a lot of the mitzvot that we do are social. Going to shul is a social mitzvah, everybody sees it. You're going, taking part in a tzedakah drive, everybody sees it. The guy came to you in shul, asked you for tzedakah, you pulled out three dollars, everybody sees it. There's mitzvot that a person needs to invest in that he's doing privately, that nobody knows. Even, by the way, I would tell you, even your wife, nobody. That's between only you and Hashem. Even you have to cut out the Ani, because then the Ani knows. Got it? So the aim over here is to try and do mitzvot that are planted with no Ayin Hara. Mitzvot that are done with the best of intentions. 
when a person has a mitzvot, private mitzvot, then suddenly um, they're able to achieve great things with those zechuyot, with those merits. Hashem should bless us that we should be able to uh, find mitzvot to do quietly between us and ourselves. And by the way, it's not only tzedakah. How about arranging for something to help somebody who needs a job? How about sitting there trying to figure out how to do something that someone's not in a good headspace, but you figure out a way to get that person uh, something that will lift his spirits? What a zechut that is, to lift someone's spirits, to send someone a gift anonymously, easy. I told you guys once, I one time received Erev Shabbat, a gift, there was no name on it. Shabbat Shalom, Azaku Baruch, you know, very nice gift, anonymous. Now I went to shul, every guy I'm looking at, I'm like... <laughs> guy looks at me, I'm like... <laughs> the guy's like, well, I'm like, shoot. <laughs> I didn't know. But you're walking around with a positive feeling to the whole world. That's the power of an anonymous mitzvah. But there's many examples and ways to be able to do this. You know? You could go like this in shul, you know, and everyone sees, wow, look how he prays. Or you could pray that way by yourself in your house, not just during Corona. When you need something, you take your time and you pray like a mensch in your own house. That's a hidden mitzvah, praying with devotion, saying shema at night with feeling, with intention, with meaning. All of these things, they're examples of planting zechuyot, uh, and of, uh, of having private mitzvot that only HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hayesh ba'etz im ayin. Is there etz? Is there something there or not? I always thought it was very interesting. If you take a look at the letters that, have the, of that spell the word etz, both of them have a root and both of them have multiple shoots coming out of them. Literally, the letters that spell the word tree actually have the image as well in the letter itself of the growth of a tree of the spreading of more coming from less. Hashem should bless us that our zikhuyot should protect us, our family and our communities, should protect our country, should protect our nation, should protect indeed our entire world. And you never know if the one mitzvah that you did in private didn't save your city from round two of COVID, didn't save your country uh, from being overrun by, what's it called? By protests. Oh, wait. Hashem should bless us, Be'ezat Hashem. Uh, to live lives full of beracha. Baruch Hashem.